be seated. And let us go back to Philippians. We're looking at this time at Philippians chapter 4. We're on the uh, home stretch, you might say, of Philippians, the book of Philippians. So turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're reading from verses 1 through 9 of it. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 9. Hear God's word. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and I beseech Syntyche, they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful. For nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus finally brethren whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, indeed we beseech you as the God of peace to be with us, and that that would lead, Lord, to the peace of God that would be in our hearts, and especially as we grow in Christ-likeness to you, as we grow in your love, as we grow in your joy, and also as we grow in your peace. In Christ's name, amen. Love, joy, and peace of Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. The book's main theme is that of pursuing Christ-likeness. And I will have you turn to Philippians 3, 12 through 14 to see it. I press toward the mark, says the Apostle Paul, for the prize or the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, that is mature, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. I went a little farther than that, but the point being is that we are to press forward to Christ's likeness. And he uses the word apprehend, which is not the same as like when the police apprehend you for speeding or for 
breaking into 7-Eleven and stealing a piece of candy, okay? Uh, this is speaking about laying hold of the prize. The prize is, of course, the prize at the end of the race of the Christian life. But before that can happen, as Paul has said here, Christ has to apprehend or lay hold of you. And so has he done that? And if he has, how are you now in turn laying hold of him and laying hold of the prize that he has for you in your pursuit of Christ likeness? So I ask the question now, is your chief desire to lay hold of him and what is his in your life? And how? There are three ways. By laying hold of his love, by laying hold of his peace, and by laying hold, I back up again, laying hold of his love, laying hold of his joy, and lastly, laying hold of his Peace. Lay hold of his love. Where is that found? Well, in verse 1, which I will reread, it states, Therefore, my dearly, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. If there are not enough explicatives, I think that's the right word, for love there or those who are loved, or beloved. I don't know what other verse in the Bible excels. Notice he says that these are my dearly, my brethren dearly beloved. He really wants to make it clear that he's talking to Christians here. And that's very important. Even though we may have a question about someone's sincerity or maybe even a question about their being converted. We, we, we never should venture down that road until that time comes that, that, that they would show that they weren't the Lord's. That's not our place. That's, that's God's. Notice he calls them my joy. The believers themselves, not the circumstances of life that, are, that lead to your being joyful, like when things turn favorably in your direction. But the people themselves of believers in Christ that are in your life being used in your life as they were in the Apostle Paul's as he laid in in prison uh, writing this this penning this this letter of, of the book of Philippians he called them his crown also his uh, laurel that is the wreath given to those who win the Olympics who who come in first place in their particular sport especially the marathon. Notice he says that they are in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I had a, we had actually a dear brother in Christ who was a minister who's gone to glory, Bruce Brody, who would always say that to me. Every time we would part ways, the last thing he would say is, be steadfast, brother. And boy, that stuck in my mind. <laughs> but he had to tell me that every time so that it now sticks in my mind. And that's not so, so bad a, 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 a commendation or a, a commitment to speak to your brother, your other brothers, like, like me to you all. And what this uh, represents is a soldier at his post. Did you know that Philippi was a military post? It's like San Diego with all the military installations here. In Philippians 1.27, he says, 
I may hear of your affairs, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is what he wants. This is a, a, a church, by the way, that, that stands heads above almost every other church that the Apostle Paul was used of God to help start in his missionary endeavors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and yet he, he had to say this to them. He had to say this to them because it's a church full of sinners like every church on the face of this earth. It's not just the church in Corinth that seemed to be the most problematic of, of all the churches uh, that, he, that he had to say this to, but, but even a church like this that was exemplary. Our unity and love may at times be put to the test, and this is the basis actually for his now speaking to a problem. He wasn't anticipating when he when he first ministered to them, but, but uh, here it is. Later down the road, years later. And uh, from the introduction where he spoke about the unity of, of the faith of believers, uh, he is seeing something that has happened in the church that could easily split it in half. In verse 2, he says, I beseech, meaning I implore, I plead with, who? Yodius, that's a woman's name, and beseech or implore Syntyche, another woman in the church, two women in the church, who he is now beseeching and imploring to be of the same mind, because they're not. They were, but now they're not. What started out as a personal and private vendetta, if you will, went public. So much so that now the apostle himself is compelled to speak to the matter from a distance. And for, for it to reach that point had to, do, had to involve a lot of tugging and pulling that, that took place. And this is what happens whenever sins come about in our relationships. And they do. Offenses must needs come into the world, meaning the, that when the Lord said that, that, uh, that it's bound to happen because we are sinners. Like in a marriage, you have two sinners that are put together. One sinner is bad enough, but now there are two. <laughs> now, that's not a discouragement to you that are single, okay? Please. Uh, that's not my intent. I'm just telling it like it is. But nevertheless, if you are walking with the Lord and if your desire is, is to be Christ-like, you will, you will have the wherewithal to uh, not only be single, but to be married, and to be joyfully so. Uh, but what happens when that happens, when sin occurs, that tends to insidiously get into our marriage, our brother and sister relationships, and so forth, is because also it is not <coughs> dealt with. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not always cared for and not just any old way because you know there are many ways to skin a cat right like a catfish that's what I, I like to think that uh, the one who made that saying up uh, meant <laughs> and not a cat cat <laughs> a catfish there are many ways to skin a cat however according to Christ there's only one way and Matthew eighteen fifteen is 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 the way uh, what we call the Matthew 18 style of reconciliation so 
But let's take a look at Matthew 18, uh, verse 15, shall we? This is a key verse, let me tell you. Ooh. And this is where it begins. So Matthew 18, verse 15 reads the following. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Thou hast gained thy brother. That means basically that if you have some offense that has come up, whether it's your fault or whether it's the other person's fault or perhaps it's your both, both of your faults, okay? Uh, you're to go to each other. And especially if, as it says here, if you're the one at fault, you're to go to that one whom you've offended. And it may be a per perceived offense. It may not really be real, but you need to clear it. That's the point. And then if you do, and do it privately. That's very, very important. Don't start blabbing it all over the place. Don't start telling your whole family and, and trying to solicit comfort from uh, from your family or from your friends, even a, even a person that you trust, even someone in the church, even the pastor. Can I, can I go that far and say that? Even anyone, go to that person. Give that person the opportunity to clear himself or herself. And you know, invariably, oftentimes I'm just saying, what happens is that because it's a misunderstanding or only a perceived offense, it gets cleared up, and nothing more is, is needed to be said. That's step one. But you have to go to step one. It's like getting to, getting to home plate. you got to go to first base. And if you don't go to first base, then sorry, you haven't done what um, you should. And, you, and, and to sweep it under the rug is, 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 is easy, but is that an option? Uh-uh. Never. Never. Sweeping under the rug does not do anything, and it leaves for a, a, a lumpy rug over time, okay? So you don't want to do that. That's wrong. And that because when it worsens, like in the case of the Philippian church, there's a saying, you know, the sinful mess will hit the ceiling fan, you know, and then it's everywhere. By the way, Yodius, Yodia, Yodius, and Syntyche were lifetime members of the church and were supportive of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Notice in our passage back in Philippians chapter 3, turning back to it, Philippians chapter 4, sorry, turning back to it, it says that he counted them as those who those women which labored with me in the gospel, verse 3, who, which labored with me in the gospel, I don't know how, but they were supportive of the Apostle Paul. And they were long-time members of the church, and now they're on opposite ends. They're sitting on opposite ends of the church, as it were. One's in the front, one's in the back. These actually could have been ladies that were part of the prayer meeting that brought the Apostle Paul to them in the first place in Acts 16, 13. 
Acts 16, 13. This was when the Lord directed the Apostle Paul to go their way instead of going the way that he was originally going to go. He went another way, and that was to go west, if I'm not mistaken, and north. Go west, a man, and that he did. And what does it say in that verse? And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont or was often to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither, meaning that they were there, not only washing their clothes, but after, after doing that, they would have a prayer time together. They would have a Bible study together. And then here comes the Apostle Paul in answer to their prayer for someone to teach them the Word of God. And then we have Lydia, who is one of the uh, leading ladies, certainly uh, in terms of being a businesswoman who... Uh, who, of whom it says was a seller of purple and of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, whose heart the Lord opened. And that was the start of, I believe, this church. And so these women were right there, right where the action was. And now, where are they? Years later. You know, this can happen. And, and it does, even in our day. For example, without getting into the actual case, we have... We have one similar happen in our classes in Sidon that we had to address. And the first thing that we are reminded to do is to go back to Matthew 18. In the RCUS Constitution, Article 128, there is a reminder there, and I'll read it. Quote, in the cases of alleged personal injuries, a proceeding shall not be allowed unless those means for reconciliation have been tried and failed, which are required by our Lord, i.e. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. In other words, if, for example, it's called the judicatory, the judges of the classes, were to ask, did you follow Matthew 18? And they were to say, um, hmm, well, I don't think we did. Sorry, go back to Matthew 18 and work it out in your church. And then come back if you need to. You see, that's how it works. Uh, if we go back to Matthew 18, I'd like to read the rest of uh, that passage. I only read 15, verse 15. So let's turn once again to it. And so in Matthew 18, I'll reread 15. Read through to verse 18. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. That means take along witnesses and not just any witnesses, but, but those to whom you look up to, that both parties uh, respect and believe would render a true and honorable and biblical response. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. That means God's people as a whole, and usually that, that means first the elders of the church, the spiritual council as we would call it, 
or the session uh, as representative of the church body or perhaps even the whole congregation as in the case of a heresy. If there's a heresy involved, that means a false teaching, then that must be brought before the whole congregation in writing. Okay? And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. In other words, that that person, if he's not going to listen, if he's going to continue to have his own way and not repent, if it's been clearly proven that he's guilty, he will be cast out of the church. Excommunicated is the word that we use. That, that is, he'll be counted as an unbeliever because of this not being of a repentant heart and spirit. So that can happen. I call this Christ procedure, and it's focused on reconciliation. And again, without getting into the particulars of our case, could this RCS case have been averted altogether in the higher courts of classes and synod if Matthew 18 was applied? Oh yes, it's very possible. And especially if the defendant was first confronted privately about his alleged offense and was brought to repentance. And I have no reason to believe that had he been privately confronted about his sin, he would have repented. Of course, that's now past. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. That means that if you have the spirit of God, not only happy are you, but blessed will be your life, and blessed will be the church for when situations like this arise. arise. You will have what it takes in order to finally come to terms with God about any offense that you've committed. Because God's spirit in you will be the reason why. For he is the one that bears witness with our spirits that we are his children. And he's the one that leads us to sin, to be convicted of sin, to be convicted of righteousness, and to be convicted of judgment to come. For he is the Holy Spirit. Could the confrontation of Iodias, Iodia, sorry, Iodia, and Syntyche have been averted altogether if it was nipped in the bud by applying Jesus' procedure for reconciliation according to Matthew 18? And there's the possibility that Matthew 18 was, was already circulating around there, okay, without there having the actual book of Matthew. The, the teaching, nonetheless, could have been already permeating uh, the body of Christ. Well, more than likely, more than likely, there would have been a good outcome. No guarantee, and we'll never know now in retrospect, but does that mean that we stop applying Matthew 18? Or that we stop applying the principle that is behind it? Of course, we do. I don't believe it was applied in their case. And that because of this. Because if they had, as a church, applied Matthew 18, the matter would more than likely have been followed through with the rest of that passage that we read, that I read to you. And apparently that had not happened, at least not that we could tell from the book. And that's why it blew up. 
In addition, we assume the best outcome because these are both dear sisters in the Lord, as it says in verse 2. I beseech Yodius and Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And the lesson here is it's better to catch it early rather than too late. Like, for example, catching a, a sickness, a disease in its early stages before it turns into cancer. And Paul is not only himself beseeching these two sisters through, of course, the one he's writing to, which would be the church, but he's also entreating someone else. He calls the true yoke fellow in verse 3. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. And uh, the, the Greek word for yoke fellow is sysgos. Uh, Some say that that was probably his name, and it got translated in the English to yoke fellow. So let's say he was sysgos, or companion, is, is what the word also means. Yoke fellow is like, you know, how we're to be yoke fellows with Christ and pull together under the, the yoke of, of Jesus, right? Um, true yoke fellow, help these women which labored with me in the gospel. And don't hesitate to call on Clement and other fellow laborers if you need to, because this is church-wide now, you see. And uh, Sisgos was probably himself an elder of the church, maybe even Clement, but we are not sure. Nothing is, is known about it from the letter. But apparently he was a big help to the Apostle Paul, so much so that he singled him out and says, make sure you use this brother because he is going to help in bringing a resolution because the goal is reconciliation. It doesn't stop being that. Not turning your backs and going in opposite directions. Oh, may God spare us from having this defeatist attitude towards the church because we're not just like any organization that's out there where they throw in the towel and they give up on anyone, on even a single one. If the parable of Christ and the 99 has any bearing at all in this, which it does because it's found in this very chapter of Matthew 18. And that is that if you have 99 that are safe in the fold and one strays, oh, forget it, it's just one. Never mind. He'll find his way back if he, if, if he knows what's good for him. Oh no, the good shepherd came to seek and to save that which is lost. Even one. Because as the Lord says, if one were brought to repentance, angels are doing backflips in heaven. <laughs> it's paraphrasing what our Lord said about how even the angels rejoice over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 that need no repentance. Paul counts them all to be the Lord's. Notice whose names are written in the book of life. And that's how we should look at it and maintain until we're through. In summary, in summary of this, and I can see that this is as far as we will go this morning, this afternoon. Uh, let us turn to John 15, 11 through 12. John 15, 11 through 12 in closing. Again, the 
title of, of, our, of my sermon is what? Love, joy, and peace of Christ-likeness. In this case, love and the pursuit of it towards Christ-likeness. And so we have the words of our Lord Jesus Christ himself in John 15, 11, and 12. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so, may I say, in our seeking to lay hold of Christ's love, in our maintaining of the same, not only in ourselves, but in our relationships one to another, we will also begin to lay hold or begin to lay hold of his joy. Yes, his joy. Like the Apostle Paul said earlier at the start, how twice over he calls them my dearly beloved. Let us not lose sight of that and the respect that we need to show one to another in Christ, even with those that we differ with and that we have differences with. I mean, you all have idiosyncrasies. I mean, imagine a name like Syntyche and Syzgos. Uh, I mean, and who doesn't have things that another person thinks is weird? I mean, you know, <laughs> not that I'm going to go beyond that, but you know, humanly speaking, we're all a bunch of weirdos, you know? We're all sinners, okay? And on top of that, to call them in the end, not only your brother and sister in the Lord, my dearly beloved, you treasure that person's fellowship. You don't lose sight of what that person meant to you before, and especially as you labor together for Christ. From the very start, from the very river prayer meeting of the ladies to where you're at now in your building of the kingdom of God. Because remember, you're not only building the kingdom of God in your own life, but in the body of Christ. And that includes other that are like you, that are on that same path, to that same glorious finish line. So with that, shall we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, help us that we may, Lord, love as you love, and thus achieve a greater Christ-likeness than we did before. And that this would be manifest in our love one for another. For how will the world know that we are yours by the love we have one for another? And what a contrast this is to the world. That is like dogs and cats. Like dog eat dog, as the expression goes. And yes, we came from that. And yes, sometimes... Our attitudes uh, go back uh, to the past when we bring them into the present. Oh, Lord, this should not be. In fact, you said, God forbid. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Meaning, may it never be. And Lord, if it does, we will be first to own our sin and first to humble ourselves in your sight and first to ask Lord, forgive me. And Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, as I go to that brother or a sister and ask forgiveness of him or her. 
Lord, help us to conduct our relationships in this fashion because we are before you. And we will, Lord, answer to you. But moreover, Lord, as your children, we want that your church be like what it truly is, and that is the family of God. And so to this end, we pray all of these things.